Hey, hey, it's Julie again. I'm here with You're in Charge. And I'm just being called. There's this, um, I'm thinking about Ted Lasso. But I was thinking about it in a different way. Um, it, and it was rolling through my brain. And I realized that the, the thread was was getting long and, and drawn out in a pretty rich way. So I'm here to share it with you. But um, yeah, one of the characters, Nathan, is a really quiet and meek character. And he's looking for approval from his dad. And, and this plays out and I hopefully I'm not doing any spoiler alerts for those that will watch it. Um, but um, you can see he's trying really hard to impress his dad. And it starts to come out sideways the further you get into, the deeper you get into his character, this uh, seeking of approval. And you meet the dad, and it does not look at all like this father is going to be giving him any approval. Now, that remains to be seen for me anyway, because I have yet to get through the entirety of this show. So... You can't spoil it for me because I can't hear you. But, um, yeah, I'm wondering how they're going to write this, how they're going to play this out. Are they going to make it really white, clean, and neat and, and have the father finally approve of Nathan and, and Nathan's going to get everything that he wants? I hope not. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't happen like that in real life. We don't get the approval that we're looking for. That is there for us to grow ourselves. And wow, does it suck when we don't have the approval, the, the love, the desire that we want from the people that, we, that mean the most to us. That, you know, we're, we're raised, like you can see, he's just a trapped child looking for his dad's approval. But here he is, he's a grown man professional coaching job like that's pretty impressive and yet his father is not impressed at all so that got me thinking about um where we put this stuff what what means things to us and somewhere in there I started to think about the the items that we carry around that mean things to us. So, um, in this case, he had the, the wonder kid, um, t-shirt, the, not the t-shirt, the, um, the Jersey that was made up and how that title meant something to him. There was something else though. There was something, there was an actual item that have been, that they've been imbued with certain meaning. So, um, here, like Ted uses the, the little army men that his, his son gave him and they start to have meaning and they take on something more, but those little men don't have actually any power. It's what you're putting into it. It's what you emote toward it. And that's what gives it power. So the actual item itself doesn't mean anything, but yet we all have 
those family items, those um, historical items that are passed down, the, the rings from your parents, um, your grandparents, the, maybe it's a watch, maybe there was, um, maybe there's something obscure, uh, a certain candlestick holder, or um, I don't know, we, we all have these items that mean a lot to us. And something occurred to me when I was thinking about these items, which happened in my family. So I told you that my grandmother um, became a widow at 39. So she still had her engagement ring and her wedding ring. But at 39, and, and so on and so forth, however long it took her to grieve the loss of her husband, she still had them and they still meant something. They were symbolic. And while she didn't want to be wearing her wedding ring and her engagement ring because love might still be a possibility for her now that he's passed, she didn't want to give them up. And what she did is actually genius. She transformed them and she pivoted. I used that one in a previous episode. She took them and changed how they appeared, but they, she didn't change the meaning. So she had them melted down and redesigned into a totally new ring. And I adored this ring. Um, and not in a covenant kind of way, just in a, I hope she'll pass it on to me someday because of the meaning behind it. And I've had just that much meaning behind the candy dishes, the, the grandmotherly candy dishes. Um, my grandmother had, this grandmother had a little, um, it was like a little Asian doll or something. I, I, I don't say it, it wasn't definitely not glass. It was like plastic or something like that. So you can imagine that you can paint it and transform it, but she always had these um, candied almonds in them, and then um, um, and it had two two stacks to it. So in the bottom was the candied almonds, and in the top was the M um, and M's, the classic M and M's. And I always attribute that to her. But my paternal grandmother had a glass rooster, which now sits in my in my cabinetry. Um, and there was another one. So there was this dark amber type glass, really nice, heavy set glass. Um, and then that was her butterscotches. And then in the rooster was probably like the, not the ribbon candies, but hard candies of, of some sort. And I always knew where they were in the house. I knew that they would always be filled. And so many of us have the grandmothers with the candy dishes. But the, like that meant nothing to anybody when my grandmother passed, but I wanted those candy dishes. And my grandmother changed these rings. And sadly, a local addict, A-D-D-I-C-T, um, went through my grandmother's house and 
one of my uncles has a um, a house attached to hers, and um, they stole all her jewelry, and they stole my cousin's jewelry, and they stole some really meaningful pieces, and it was devastating for a lot of reasons, for a lot of people, because now that history is gone. Now that meaning was gone. And what we're really grieving isn't the loss of the pieces themselves, but we can never get those people back. We can't get back what they gave us. But is just a representation of what they gave us. We're grieving what isn't there any longer, what we perceive not to be there. But I would encourage you to look at it differently because we do have to sometimes deal with loss. There's fires, there's thefts, there's all kinds of things that happen errant toddlers with baseball bats could level my candy dishes in a second and they're gone but the memories are not gone and the love is definitely not gone we just have to work to transform it so what do you do you can't get back the deceased person you can't and if they're still living you can't make them love you. You can't make them accept you, even though you want that. So what it's pointing to is inside of you. It's pointing to that inner child that loves those candies that are in the dish and the grown adult that wrapped their heart around the meaning of that dish and the love that was in it. But what happens is we just expect, we hope, we want a certain thing from a certain somebody in our lives. And this tends to end up cycling around. So that which you want from your parents, you end up wanting from your spouse, your loved one, your romantic partner. And often we repeat the pattern. We're going to marry the pattern. Sometimes, most often, quite literally. And it's not that that person is a bad person. It's not that you are a bad person, that you did something wrong. And like, I love this example in Ted Lasso because I love characters because they remove the tenaciousness of the issue. They remove the angst and they remove that up close and personal view that we have of ourselves and they allow us to experience it and see it at just a little bit of a distance. So we might be able to see our own problems. 
So here's Nathan vying for his father's love and affection, which he might never get. His father might pass before that ever happens, if that ever happens. And yet he's structuring his whole life because he thinks getting this one table for dinner will be the thing that gets his father's attention or becoming famous will be the one thing that gets his father's approval that and how many of us have had that that parent who's yelling on the sidelines or in the stands and maybe they're like Jamie's dad also in Ted Lasso who's throwing the things and pitching a fit you don't get soft and you don't do these things and they're doing it for a reason they think that that's how you get that love how that approval is sought and then they pass it on to their kids and their kids are looking for that approval as well and How do you do it? How do you go back? You recognize what it is that you're looking for. What's inside of, of the seeking of that approval. If you get that approval, are you actually going to be loved any better? Because that person isn't going to change. They're going to love you the way that they love you now. You have to love you. You have to give yourself the, what's been infused into the candy dishes, what was infused into the rings, what was infused into those items is love, acceptance, freedom, peace, joy, power, whatever it is that those items mean to you. It's what you're looking for. And it's what got separated inside of you. You somewhere inside of you, somewhere a long time ago, decided that you were not worthy. You weren't deserving of that love. Of that acceptance. And you need to accept yourself. And when you do, your whole world is going to change. It's not easy. It's simple, but it ain't easy. It's the hardest work you'll ever do. But I hope you'll do it. I hope you'll look at your, your life, your history, your ancestral relations, the relationships that you have with your parents, living or deceased. And I hope you'll recognize that you're enough as you are, that they are just trying to love you the best way that they know how. And the only way that they know is how they were taught. So have some compassion for yourself. Have some compassion for them. And until next time, you're in charge. <laughs>